Greetings and welcome to episode 62 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Dwork, here back with you once again. And uh, look, where are we right now? We're in that uh, the sweet spot between the All-Star game and the trade deadline, where there's a lot of fun going on because everybody wants to know who's getting traded, which teams are going to be for real, who's a Stanley Cup contender, who's going to mess up the playoff races, and the Panthers are... We're not really sure where the Panthers are at this point, are we? Are they turning things around? Are they going to become what they certainly have the roster to become? Are they going to continue to be what we've seen all year, which is an inconsistent team showing flashes of greatness and flashes of awfulness? Uh, we'll see. They continue... Well, I say they. Paul Maurice continues to point to uh, a pair of back-to-back losses around the turn of the calendar against Carolina and the Rangers as as kind of when things began to shift back into the Panthers, or not back into the Panthers' favor, I guess, into the Panthers' favor, uh, really for the first time this year. Since then, uh, to this day, what are they, 13-7-2. So not bad. Six games above 500, over 22 games. I don't know if that's going to be good enough over the course of the rest of the season to get them in. They might have to do a little bit better than that. Right now, you know, as far as I'm concerned... It doesn't look like it's going to happen for the simple reason that this team cannot seem to get any kind of consistency together. I mean, just looking at their schedule over the last... I mean, I don't know. Let me let me punch it up for you here. Looking at their schedule over the last month plus, they're trading wins and losses. And I mean, that's certainly not going to be good enough, right? You follow up a three-game losing streak with their first three-game winning streak of the year. And then since then, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. They get big wins over Minnesota on the road. Big win in a place that's really tough to win. They follow it up with a total stinker in St. Louis, even if it was the second end of a back-to-back. A few days later, big win, wild card race against the Capitals. Emotional, all that. Follow it up with a total stinker in Nashville. Not on a back-to-back. Yeah, it was a day game, but still. I mean, does it take that much effort? Does it take that much emptying of the tank to play a great game like what we saw against Minnesota, what we saw against the Capitals? Does it take so much to put together that kind of an effort that the next game is going to be a total shit show, which is what we saw in St. Louis, what we saw in Nashville? Then they come home to Anaheim, and Anaheim is tied with Columbus, I believe, for worst record in the league. And they almost lose to Anaheim. You know, it's... Yeah. Let's see. Standings. Right now, the Panthers are in a playoff spot. Crazy as it seems. They have all these, you know... The teams behind them, Florida right now, 64 points through 60 games. One point up on Pittsburgh, who's played four less games. Two points up in the Capitals, who played two less games. Buffalo is way back there. Buffalo's four points behind Florida with six less games played. Buffalo is about to have a really tough week. Buffalo's going to have a come-to-Jesus week, one way or the other. Buffalo right now, they're playing Toronto. Then they get Tampa and the Panthers on a back-to-back. Then they play the Capitals. 
So this is going to be a real put up or shut up week for the for the Buffalo Sabers. We'll see if they're going to be in this playoff race or not when this week is over because those games in hand are going to start going away and they have a chance to catch up, but they've got to do it against some really good teams. So we'll see how this week plays out for Buffalo. But yeah, the Panthers, you know, for all, all intents and purposes, in the playoff spot right now. But I think, I think when when looking at this Panthers team, looking, looking at this season, uh, you know, we a lot can happen between now and the trade deadline. You don't know what Billy Zito is going to do. I think, uh, I think whatever happens this season, you've just got to look big picture, right? And big picture for me is looking at the next three, four, five years. Like even just looking ahead to this offseason when you know that the Panthers are going to have a lot of space to work with under the cap, there's going to be options, whether you want to make some trades, whether you want to sign some free agents, you want to pick up some futures at the draft. Uh, there's going to be a lot to work with for Bill Zito, which is a total opposite of basically what this whole season has been, where they've been under these crazy cap constraints. Uh, they've The flexibility that they've been able to work with has come at the expense of players getting injured. The front office guys, they knew the season was going to be challenging. That, you know, that goes without saying. Is this team right now good enough to win this season? Talent-wise, yes. And again, we don't know what may or may not happen over the next uh, less than two weeks now to the trade deadline. Or is it two weeks from Friday? I don't even... The trade deadline. Yeah, two in two Fridays from now. It's gonna go by fast. And what's gonna happen? We'll get to some some of the trade trade rumor stuff at, towards the end of the pod. I'm gonna force you to either listen or scroll to get to that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about shocking, right? The goaltending. Um, Paul Maurice has said recently that he wants to lean on Sergei Bobrovsky. He thinks now it's Bob's time. Bob's numbers, I, I'll start this by saying you can't judge Bob by his numbers, good or bad. Because it just doesn't matter with Sergei Bobrovsky. He could go out there. Here, look. In February, so far this month, he's 4-2. and two. With a 2.5 goals against and a 9.25 save percentage. Those are great numbers. Those numbers over the course of his contract would be like, okay, we got what we paid for. That's that's great. In January, Bob had the same exact 4-2 and two record. 3.2 goals against, almost a full goal higher. 8.98 save percentage, which he's kind of struggled to keep the save percentage above 900 for his Panthers tenure. But yet the team has the same record. What does that mean? And, and it's not a small sample size. If you want to kind of expand on that yourselves, just looking at Bob's numbers and the Panthers' records, you can go right ahead. You're going to see the same thing. And it's that... It, it's really... The way that Bob plays, his... Uh, to quantify Sergei Bobrovsky in terms of how he helps his team succeed, it really doesn't tie into statistics a whole lot. With Sergei Bobrovsky and, and the way that his Panthers career has gone, I mean, the first couple of years were just bad. I mean, bad for, for, for a goalie of Sergei Bobrovsky's resume, 
salary expectations. Last season, year three, we saw a bit more of it, a bit more consistency. We've talked about it on this podcast late in the season and the playoffs, very solid, consistent. That's great. We've seen a little bit here and there this season of the same goaltender. Certainly what you would expect to see consistently for a goaltender making that kind of bank. Um, but again, it, you know, again, not Bob's fault for signing on, signing on the dotted line. Anybody would. And he earned that kind of a contract. It's unfortunate that it hasn't been able to, to maintain, but it, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky's going to have to gain consistency if he's going to take this team anywhere. Now, currently, as long as he keeps winning games, the team will ride with him. That, I think, you know, based on what Paul Maurice has said, based on what we've seen this season, that's, you know, that's what's going to happen. And not to mention that Spencer Knight is shown zero signs of being a, a goalie that could take the job and run with it. And we'll talk about Spencer Knight in just a moment. Um, with Sergei Borowski, can he keep the, the head scratchers out of the net? Can he keep the frustrating goals from going through him? No, I don't think so. Can he cut down on them? Yes. When he's at his best as a Panther, that it's when those are down to like one a game. Rebound control is always going to be an issue with Bob. I mean, I think at this point it's just expected. Pucks don't stick to him the way they stick to other goaltenders. What do we know? He's at his best when he's aggressive, when he's challenging, when he's confident. The Panthers will go as far as Bob will carry them in terms of a playoff team. I don't see the Panthers becoming a team that that carries their goalie. Last year's team had more of a possibility of that just because they could score the lights out. Uh, when when the scoring element went away in the playoffs between what the Capitals started to do and what the Lightning did to perfection in completely forcing the Panthers out to the outside, taking away their rush opportunities, taking away their the wind beneath their wings... Um, yeah, that team could have masked mediocre goaltending. This team cannot. The team that they're building, the team that they want to be under Paul Maurice, in order for that team to succeed in the playoffs, you need to have solid, consistent goaltending. That's not not an option right now. It's not, it's not something the Panthers have shown that to have on their roster right now, unfortunately. Do they have a guy that could be that guy? Yeah, sure. Sergey Borovsky could be that guy. If they get the bob that they got in the playoffs last year with a team that starts executing on a more consistent basis, showing that they can hold up for more than a period or two at a time. Yes, that team can succeed, but have we seen that team really other than, you know, in flashes? No. So that's what it's going to come down to. And regarding Spencer Knight, I mean, man, he just does not look comfortable or confident at all. Since, since returning from injury. Uh, goals are going through him regularly. Just areas that he should have sealed aren't, which is troubling because it's hard enough to be a goaltender. Uh, so when you're not doing the quote-unquote easier things well, and obviously I say that with air quotes because nothing about this is easy. Um, but I, I mean, you can just see it the way he's playing, that there's just... 
things that aren't quite right. I mean, look how deep he is in his crease regularly. It, it just strikes me as somebody that does not have a lot of confidence out there right now. I mean, something that I've noticed about him for a while, like the, we've, we've talked about the glove side issues, the fact that it seems when he's, get, when he's pushing from his left to his right, he often will get off on his angle because he'll push, either push a little too much or, or not stop his push soon enough, either way, exposing too much of that glove side. Um, and, and in terms of his glove positioning, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before in his podcast, I know I've, I've mentioned it somewhere, whether writing or in whatever. It's something that I, since he first showed up with the Panthers, the way that he holds his glove kind of face down. And I've always wondered, especially in, in terms of like the way that goaltending is viewed currently with with the hands being out in front, palm open, and you can't see that I'm doing it here at my desk, but that's, you know. So when I see Spencer Knight's palm facing down, it's, I you know. I, you have to wonder if like some playing time in the AHL would be helpful. Get get him some minutes, get him some consistency, get him in a routine. Like the few times that he's been used here at the NHL level, it's just not been very ideal situations for him. And there's not going to be if Sergei Bobrovsky is going to be the guy, which is what Paul Maurice said. He's right for now. Bob's going to be the guy. Unless the Panthers make a move then Bob and Knight are going to be the guys for the next few years. That That's fact. That's something that, that whether it's, it would have to be a trade. Because those are your guys. They're combining to take up almost, just a, just a hair under $11 million of this year's salary cap for Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight this year. That goes up to $14.5 million next year with Spencer Knight's extension kicking in. And that... $14.5 million under for goaltending will be the same for the next three years after that. So 25-26. So the next three years, not after that. Starting next year for three years. Um, that's a lot of money to go into to one position. It hurts when it's that position isn't a position of strength, when it's a position of meh. More, more of weakness than of strength. It, it, it cuts, undercuts the great return on investment that you're getting from guys like Carter Verhage, who gets four million, thirty goal score, who's only getting better. Brendan Montour, three and a half million for one of the highest scoring defensemen, one of the biggest minute eating defensemen in the league. Gus Forsling, two and a half million, two point six million. E2 Lusterinen. 1.5 million and even even Matthew Kachuk he's getting nine and a half million but really he's underpaid he should be getting right now he should be getting at least 10 plus million and imagine what that value is going to be as that 24 year old continues to get better and better because that contract goes until 2030 so I don't know where to go from here with the goaltending the players have to get better. Bob, Bob's not going to get better. We know what Bob's ceiling is. It's just, can Bob be consistent? But Knight, certainly, you know, there, there's a high ceiling out there for him, and he, he's kind of hit a wall this year. Can he break through it? Well, certainly, why not? we got to see it. And in the time being, there's a lot of money getting sucked out of the cap that's going to that position, and it's, it's not a position of strength. 
All right, let's shift gears here. Talk about a positive? Eric Stahl, huh? Can we call him the ageless wonder? Is that, I don't know if that's being disrespectful. Oh, whatever. He's it's been so good. His first 16 games, he had no points through 16 games, and everybody hated Eric Stahl. Everybody was crapping all over the Stahl brothers. And then it's been about almost double. 34 games since then, he's up to 20 points in 34 games, including 11 goals. Killer moments on the PK, like major, major asset on the PK. His forward line has often, whether it's been, usually it's been with Giovanni Smith and Ryan Lombard, um, but his line has often been kind of the spark uh, in the games where the Panthers have needed a spark, which has been fairly often, but basically every other game. He was clutch his last NHL season, not last year because he didn't play last year, the year before that when he helped Montreal to the final in the bubble. Uh, kind of a turn back the clock experience. Like it went back and watched some of those playoff games, and, and you see similar, just the energy, being in the right spots. Obviously, not the fleetest of foot guy. He, you're not going to see him flying through the neutral zone or anything like that. But you, you never see him out of position in the D end, blocking shots. He's great on the bench. Just, just a great, great signing. And you hope to see, or not hope to see, just want to see where it leads from here like I want to see if he's gonna because he's really done nothing but ascend this season you know as you, you know, I, I think I asked him a few a couple weeks ago I may have been at a morning skate when I was just like is this is you know did your season as the way it's gone is it simply a matter of kicking off the rust is there more to it is there not is that is there really nothing to it and he was like honestly like I thought I was playing good from the start I just wasn't getting any results uh, his numbers did back that up in terms of analytics. I remember earlier in the season, it was like, well, he's not producing on the on the score sheet, but at least he's not killing the team when he's on the ice. Um, but he he was right that it's just a matter of getting the bounces. Now, hopefully the Panthers' season can have a similar kind of turn because as the Panthers have been perhaps the most unlucky, not perhaps, the Panthers have been the most unlucky team in the NHL in terms of expected goals and actual goals and production uh, in terms of what they've what they've been able to produce in terms of opportunities as opposed to actual production on the score sheet um so yeah it'd be cool if they could kind of follow in eric Stahl's path because it's been great watching that um what hasn't been great to watch has been aaron ekblad this season which is i kind of like weird hearing those words come out of my mouth in that order it's over the last half a decade all we've done is watch aaron ekblad get better and better to the point where he's an elite defenseman in this league. One of the, you know, top two or three, a Norris Trophy guy, like, he's just looks like Clark Kent this year. What happened to Superman? Like, we know he was battling injuries, different injuries early in the season. He's admitted to that. Uh, initially wasn't that into talking about, you know, I, I recall asking earlier in the season, you know, if something was up or if, you know, anything's holding you back. And I, no, no, I'm just fine. You know, well, you know, yada, yada, yada. Not so much, <laughs> clearly. Um, but recently, both he and Paul Maurice acknowledged that he was battling through some injuries and it was good to be healthy. And the numbers were starting to show up briefly. 
And and now he's on five games without a point. You know, he's he's getting shots on goal most games. And when I say shots on goal, I mean typical Ekblad game of shots on goal was like at least four or five shots. Like he's pucks to the net. He's he's active. He's involved. It's what we've got grown to accustomed to with Aaron Ekblad. You know, one thing that I found interesting is he's already got more penalty minutes this season than in each of the past four seasons. You can read into that whatever you want, but when you're a defenseman, you're taking more penalties than you usually do. Are you slowing down a little bit? Are you having to reach out and grab and clutch and do some of those things that maybe you don't normally have to do? It all certainly lines up. Now, they say that he's healthy now, so you know hopefully we can see him become what... I mean, he's still in his mid-20s. Like He's certainly not in the downslope of his career, clearly... You know, whether it's an injury issue or whatever is going on this season, you know, won't be forever. But, yeah, the the year that the Panthers knew they were going to have, that challenging season that I mentioned earlier, an Aaron Ekblad down year wasn't part of that equation either. Some good news on the horizon. Anthony Duclair, he could be back next game. Uh, he's been slowly but surely working his way back. Uh, a week over a week ago now, when they were in Minnesota last Monday, he shed the gold non-contact practice jersey, so he's been a regular participant, no limitations. The tentative target date has been Friday's home game against Buffalo. That's what they're sticking with now as well. Uh, we're gonna have a good few days for them to practice here. They're gonna practice uh, at the arena. Wednesday, Thursday, then they play Buffalo on Friday. Buffalo will be on the set on the back end of a back-to-back. They'll play Tampa on Thursday, so it'll be a, a good spot. You know, honestly, it'd be a good spot, and I wouldn't do it because the Panthers need the win really badly. But that's the kind of game where you would like, okay, maybe this is a good spot to start Spencer Knight. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Paul Maurice has said that with in terms of Anthony Duclair's injury that. It's been fully healed for a while. The medical staff has been ha- happily, it's healed. He can stay, he can do whatever he wants. At this point, it's been up to Anthony Duclair. And when he feels ready, and be, it's like, I rem- like I've been saying, like the comparison I make in terms of Duke joining the team and joining the league right now, they've been going for months now. Like they had their training camp that, you know, everybody's kicked off their dust or knocked off the rust or whatever. Like you've been to one of those lazy rivers where, like, you know, you just jump in and, the, and the, there's a flow. You don't have to move. It, it it just pulls you around there. You don't even need a floaty thing. You can just pick your feet off the ground and it whooshes you around the lazy river. So Anthony Duclair joining the league now. Imagine jumping into one of those lazy rivers and then trying to stand still. That's what Anthony Duclair is trying to do right now. And granted, he's got really strong legs, so he might be able to do it. Because that's what NHL guys can do. But it's not easy. It's going to be hard, especially coming off an injury. So you don't fault Duke for taking his time and wanting to feel right. Um, This is a guy whose game, uh, his whole, what he brings to the table is predicated on speed. He's that outside guy. He flies around the wing. He gets pucks in deep. He reaches in there. He gets defensemen turning on their ankles. He gets guys moving. That's what Duke does. So he needs to be performing well in that regard uh, to make a difference. Now, what's cool about it is that the Panthers are basically getting a trade deadline acquisition type guy, 
a top six guy in Duclair, and they're getting him for nothing other than having to figure out what to do under the salary cap, and that's a whole other thing. And uh, we'll get to that too. All right, uh, what should I talk about next? I got a little end on a positive vibe thing. All right, but I'll save that for the end. All right, we'll do, we'll get to the the rumor mill stuff first for, for here. Okay, um, a few names that I've heard kind of pop up doesn't doesn't alarm me as much now that I've had a little time to to marinate and and see how valid it is. Uh, since I first heard these names mentioned as possibilities, but Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett, Anthony Duclair. I've heard their names come up more than once as possibilities to be available that teams are thinking, teams are making calls. Reinhart made $6.5 million for the next two years. Bennett makes $4.4 million for the next three years. Duclair, he's got $3 million for the next two years. So, I mean, you can understand in terms of getting cap, some caps uh, room there. Um, I don't know how much you'd want to bust up the core moving forward. But again, you know that there's going to be options in the offseason. You know that there's going to be money to spend. So some of that talent loss could be alleviated rather easily. But those are some big shoes to fill, particularly when you think of like how much valuable Sam Bennett is on both ends of the ice down the middle. Sam Reinhart, streaky, but you know, high end scoring. So it's interesting just to think about where it all comes into play. What's going on with Patrick Hornquist? He's UFA after the season, but his $5.3 million cap hit is a big anchor on the salary cap win there. Right now he's been a long time IR for the last couple of months. He suffered two concussions earlier this season in the span of about a month. Um, went on long-term IR in December. It's not the first time he's had concussion issues. He suffered two concussions during the 2018-19 season. Another two, I believe, in 16-17. Um, there's been a history of concussions. Granted, he's always been a guy that's kind of downplayed, like, no, I'm good. I want to. He wants to play. He wants to continue his career. Certainly the vibe that I've gotten seeing him around the rink and even on the ice practicing... Uh, he looks good. He looks like himself. He's bouncing around, friendly, chatty, uh, his normal self. Uh, Patrick or more, Paul Maurice was asked earlier this week, just kind of for an update. And he's like, oh yeah, it's great because he keeps our guys moving in practice and everybody has to bust their ass against Patrick because he practices so hard and he's, he's pumping up all talking all good about practice. And then kind of in the next practice, he's like, but Patrick is not an option for us. That's a direct quote. Patrick is not an option for us. Now, I was not there that day, so there's no opportunity to follow up. But does that mean he's not an option right now? Does that mean he's not an option this season? Could he be potentially an option playoffs when, you know, I, I wouldn't phrase the question this way, but when the salary cap the lawn isn't an issue anymore, um, you have to wonder. So that's something that I plan to bring up at some point over the next little while. Um, just curious what the answer would be. But in all, you know, in terms of this podcast... The only answer I have is what Paul said earlier this week, and that is Patrick is not an option for us. Um, so we'll see. Uh, something that's kind of been mentioned in the rumors the last couple of days, Elliot Friedman, I believe, has mentioned that Florida could be interested in uh, Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson this summer. Uh, well, yeah, guess what? They've been interested already. They've already been 
They've already talked to San Jose about a potential trade um, earlier this year. It, it's been it's been broached. It didn't happen. Uh, I don't know how advanced discussions were. I know they were had. Uh, what what makes that kind of an interesting thing happening is just Carlson has four years left on his contract at eleven and a half million. Thinking about the Panthers' cap issues, you know that there could be issues fitting that kind of a number there. He turns 33 in May, so he'll have three years or four years after he turns 33 left in his contract. He's, you know, an elite scoring defenseman. He's certainly not in his prime anymore, but he's still a very good player. Um, it's interesting that contract-wise, that Pan- that Bill Zito and the Panthers would be looking looking at that, but. Again, it kind of goes with everything that we've seen from Zito and his staff since they got here, and that's that they covet high-end defensemen. Uh, and, and the last thing here is that the rumor mill spins around my face um, is that the Panthers are, from what I have heard, kicking the tires on Shane Gostisbehere, not the defenseman out of Arizona that anybody that everybody wants because everybody wants Jacob Chikrin. Uh, that's unless. Uh, Jim Armstrong changes his price tag. That's not going to happen with the Panthers. But Shane Gostisbehere is potentially an option. Uh, he has been out for, I think, about the last month or so, managing an upper body injury. Uh, but last I heard, he'd started skating. Could be close to returning sometime soon. Um, he's a left-handed defenseman, which the Panthers have, you know, they always can use a left-handed defenseman. The right side has been pretty clogged up with uh, Ekblad, Montour, and Gudis, which is why Casey Fitzgerald hasn't been able to get into the lineup. But we'll see what Shane Goss this He's in the final year of his contract at $4.5 million. Obviously, there are South Florida connections with Ghost. What would Arizona be willing to take on would be the question. Would they be willing to retain any of Ghost's salary? Would they be willing to, you know, is that a team that you might be able to discuss a potential Sergey Bobrovsky trade? Uh, probably not. I think in terms of what well, we stick with the rumor mill, in terms of a Sergey Bobrovsky, I think that's the kind of thing that Bill Zito would want to revisit during the summer if there would be potentially any interest out there. Uh, but for the time being, we'll see how things play out between now and the trade deadline. One thing that I've learned um, since Bill Zito has gotten hired in South Florida is that nothing's off the table, right? So we'll see how things play out over the next couple of weeks. Um, ending on a positive. That's what I said. I had this little section here in my notes about ending on a positive. So let's talk about some positives as we wrap up the pod. Positive number one, Carter Verhage. Welcome to the 30 goal club. You young son of a gun. He's now up to 52 points in 59 games this year. He's evolving into a point per game type of player. He's 30 goals this season through 59 games. That's all. That's a goal every other game spectacular and this is a guy who's not getting power play one minutes he gets second power play unit minutes and i mentioned earlier the the great roi he's for two more years after this season at 4.16 million aav that's awesome so positive number one goes to carter verhage number two positive goes to matthew kachuk who has just kind of quietly been spectacularly amazingly awesome since being acquired this summer. He's up to now 78 points through 57 games. I believe coming into uh, Tuesday's games, that would put him fourth in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, in points. Um, 28 goals, 50 assists. And all of that with a guy who is first to go to any of his teammates' defense, who 
shows no refrain in terms of sacrificing his body, getting in there for other players, being an amazing teammate. He really is the full package is Matthew Kachuk. And this trade just keeps looking better and better without even getting into the drama that's been going on in Calgary and save that for a different pod another time. Uh, That's not what we're going to talk about now, but Matthew Kachuk still signed, as I mentioned earlier, till 2030. 2023 just started, and he's just going to keep getting better. You would assume based on, you know, facts and common sense and his age and his trajectory. So, yeah, Matthew Kachuk, just a a little bit more props. You know, I feel like, yeah, he got a lot of attention at the All-Star game. It was cool, but I, I don't know. I just feel like a player that's been basically keeping the Panthers one of the main reasons they've been able to stay afloat is his consistency. So props to Matty, to Chucky. Um, A little bit of love for Mark Stahl. You gave Eric Stahl some love earlier on the podcast, but Mark Stahl, um, yeah, he's, we knew coming into this year, his age, what he could and couldn't do, but I think he's been incredibly solid uh, for the role that he's been asked to play. Um, But props to him, two goals in his last three games. He went almost a full calendar year without scoring. Uh, and now he's got two and three games. His teammates are going crazy. Um, you know, on a, similarly to the, the way his brothers rounded out, but you know, he's had his ups and his downs overall. Just, he's been solid for Florida shot blocking machine. Uh, again, a big body, not the fastest guy, but considering, uh, I've been pretty happy with Mark Stahl and what my expectations were, but just some props to him putting the puck in the net. Um, some love. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I've been on this for a long time. Uh, I am your E2 and on uh, head czar or whatever. I don't know what the heads of these crazy cults are called, but um, E2 and on. E2 Lusterine and en Fuego. Uh, <laughs> in eight games of February, he's a point per game player. Three goals, five assists, plus six rating. Um, and I know what you're thinking, but only half of those points have been on the uh, the second line with Kachuk and Verhege. Uh, half of those points and half of those games came before Sam Bennett's injury when he was down in the third line. This is a guy who not only has been impacting offensively, which is what I've been just talking about, but he impacts the game on both ends of the ice, similarly to what Sasha Barkov does. He's so good in his own end. Just watch. Like, watch. If you, if you want to just ISO cam yourself a couple of guys next game and have a little bit of fun in the defensive zone... Isocam Itu Lusterinen and Isocam Gus Forsling, particularly on the PK with Forsling, because that guy looks like a maniac when he's killing penalties. Um, but yeah, Itu has just been so, so good. And he's still, again, mid-20s, still getting better. To hear Paul Maurice talk about him as a guy who he sees just growing and getting better and sees big things for, this is a guy, Lusterinen, Bill Zito took calls on him last year at the trade deadline. I would imagine it's going to happen again this year just because, again, what did I say, one and a half million. Um, he's already up to, what is it, uh, 30 points, 13 goals, 17 assists, plus 16 rating through 60 games. Just can't say enough about E2 Lusterinen, the jewel of the Vincent Trocheck trade to Carolina. Um, and a positive on Sam Bennett. Uh, he'll be back in the lineup on Friday. Uh, I think Paul Murray said it for sure or sure thing or something seemed pretty solid. So Sam Bennett should be good to go for Friday. And for the record, uh, we I don't I don't know if we've actually haven't seen this discussed anywhere. 
There's been people who have asked about his mystery injury. It's a lower body injury. It's something that he's dealt with in the past. It's not what kept him out of the lineup for fairly significant time last year, which was an upper body injury. So we can get rid of that if that's what you've been thinking. Um, but yeah, either way, he'll be back Friday against Buffalo. So potentially, potentially, you get Bennett, you get Anthony Duclair against the Sabras. All right. Uh, yeah, that covers it. So I hope I've given you some good information on this podcast. That is going to do it for episode 62 of the Chirping the Cast podcast. Remember, if you are a fan of my work or if you're a fan of the Panthers and just tolerate my work, you can find all my written Panthers coverage on local10.com or you can get it on the Local 10 app as well. And if you don't already, uh, please give me a follow on Twitter at David Dwork for my daily coverage of the Panthers. It's where we can interact and uh, it's where I do most of my Panther stuff. So, uh, And then also, if you haven't already, smash the subscribe button on this podcast. Uh, leave a good rating. That would be really cool. Nobody ever seems to listen this deep in the podcast and hear how much I would like the good ratings or the good comments. So maybe if you're listening, show me that you're listening and uh, and do that. <laughs> but either way, thank you very much for listening. It's appreciated. Thank you, everybody, for the follows, for everything. It's really cool that we get to kind of do this together and follow the Panthers and all that good stuff because it's fun. Remember, I, I, I just grew up as a fan that somehow managed to turn this into a job, but uh, I'm still just a hockey fan at heart. All right. Until next time, everybody, as always, please take care, stay safe, be kind, and most importantly, stay cool. See ya.